1: was blind, but now I see.
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I rejoice today in the joy of my salvation. the hope that is before me. And I'm eager for you to join me today in just praising God and rejoicing in Him. His kindness and His mercy is without end. His love and His kindness have been poured out for us and is still being poured out for us. I want to walk with you today through some deep water, but I think if you'll stay with me and you'll understand this fifth chapter of the book of Romans, it will change your day. It will give you insight and understanding into what Jesus is doing right now for you and what he has done for you. Before I get into that, I want to invite you the National Prayer Chapel is going to begin a new program, a worship service. This worship service will be here at my home, and you're welcome to come. My home is the Lord's house. So I'm inviting you today to come to a worship service at my home, This is for you if you are serious or want to be serious about Jesus and you want to walk with other people who are completely given to walk with Jesus on this narrow path and to remain on that narrow path, not to fall off, not to get lost. The format will not be a casual sharing time. There will be a sermon, a scripture. It will be a worship service. But it's going to focus on this journey that we're on toward heaven. So you're welcome to come. You can get the address in two ways. One, I'll share it with you in just a moment, so grab pencil and paper if you're interested in coming. And secondly, you can just Google National Prayer Chapel, and up will come a map for how to come, how to drive here, and uh, an address and a phone number. But let me give you the address, and this will begin, by the way, next Wednesday evening, March 12 at 7.30. If you're going to come, get here on time someone will be at the door and will welcome you and show you in and make you comfortable so I'd love to have you come please consider the address is 13448 that's 13448 Classic Oaks Court Manassas, Virginia, 20112. Now, we're not really in Manassas. We're right on the Woodbridge border. We're just off the Prince William Parkway, uh, close to Hoadley Road. So we're very easy to find. There's lots of parking on the street and in a long, large driveway, if you'd like to call ahead of time, let me give you the phone number. It's 703-489-1785. That's 703-489-1785. I'm looking for men and women, boys and girls, who really are serious about Jesus and who want to find They're standing with Jesus and want to walk this out. This will not be a casual chit-chat kind of time. This is serious. We're going to dive deep into scripture, even as I do on this broadcast day by day. But you'll be able to ask questions. You'll be able to share with others. I know this is going to be an incredible time of growing in Jesus, understanding Repentance, understanding righteousness, understanding holiness, and walking in the fullness of the Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit in the gifts of the Spirit. So, please come as the Holy Spirit moves in your heart, come and join be a part so let's turn to the scriptures before we do I'd like to pray with you Lord you've brought in the last 24 hours such incredible joy into my heart you have granted me peace Lord my heart is still very disturbed for the salvation of this city and for the salvation of those precious ones who listen to this broadcast. Lord, I want to see them take action. I want your joy, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to fill their lives. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now the fifth chapter of Romans is the chapter that has been difficult for me. It's difficult because there is no punctuation in the Greek. And the sentences are very long. And in the fifth chapter, if you go by how they have divided the sentences to try to make them shorter, it gets confusing. So you really have to pay attention to the context if you're going to understand the fifth chapter of the book of Romans context is everything you can take a passage out of context and make it say just about anything you want it to say and this fifth chapter has been severely abused by the sinning Christian crowd by the grace people the cheap grace people So we're going to walk through in context the fifth chapter. I don't know that we'll get through it all today. We may have to come back next week and do it again. I'll begin reading Romans, the fifth chapter, verse one. Therefore, what is the therefore referring to? verse 25 of chapter 4. Remember, there are no chapter divisions and no verse uh, divisions in the Greek. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification or acquittal. Therefore, this is chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, now, this word justified, all through this fifth chapter, is basically the same word. And it's translated justified, or if you look over here at verse 19, it's translated made righteous. Well, I'd like to be consistent with this word. And made righteous is the correct translation. Remember the word justified simply means made righteous. That's the old English meaning. Or dekesune in the Greek, in the old covenant was declared righteous, but in the new covenant, it is made righteous. So therefore, since we have been made righteous through faith, so the righteousness that we have is real. And it comes to us as we believe and place our trust and our confidence in the words of Jesus and in the person of Jesus. This is by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Well the word grace caris simply means kindness, love, mercy. So through the kindness of God we have gained access through the kindness. Not anything we've done. We've not earned his kindness. It's a free gift. Some have said it's unmerited favor. Yes, it means we didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us out of his love. And so the next sentence is connected, but it says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So today I come rejoicing in my spirit. I come rejoicing because I have been granted the peace of God that rules in my heart. Another way to say that, I rejoice because I've been given a pure heart before God, a pure mind, a clean mind. There's not anything standing between me and Jesus. We're together in this. I've been washed in the blood. That's where it flows from. When I have confidence that I've been washed in the blood of Jesus and I I now am filled with joy. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings. So, the kind of joy I'm speaking about is not transient. It's not based on circumstances. It's based on a deep inner knowing that i have literally been made righteous it's not based on fiction the power of god has come into my life and transformed me into a new person a new creature in christ jesus second corinthians 6th and 7th chapters because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope hope is not what carries us through the suffering it is the glory of God that carries us through it's the confidence we have that he will do what he has said he would do that he has saved us out of our sin out of our wretchedness. Now continue reading. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy spirit whom he has given us. So our hearts become filled with love and joy and peace and righteousness. God has made us into new creatures it's not the same old. It's not a life of struggle. It's not a life of constant sinning and repenting and struggling and sinning and repenting. That's the old flesh trying to get dressed up. No, this is speaking about a man or a woman who's willing to be crucified with Christ who's willing to lay down everything for the cross of Jesus Christ and walk through into the resurrection of the newness of life, having been crucified with Christ. Now Christ living in me and Christ living through me. What I'm describing for you is real. This is not make-believe stuff. You'll see this even more clearly as I've Continue reading. You see, at just the right time, this is Romans, the fifth chapter, verse six, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly are powerless to overcome their sin. They can force a change in behavior, but they can't deal with their sin. The sin will continue to ravage, and my concern is that many of you are churched, culturally, but you're a sinning you're a sinning person. You have not received the power of Christ, so you're still powerless. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I want you to, we're going to, be technical. We're going to look at some issues. If God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the implication is very clear that we're no longer still sinners. It's while we were still sinners that Christ died for us, but He didn't leave us in that place. Listen, since we have now been justified by his blood. Remember the word justified? Literally, that should be translated, since we have now been made righteous by his blood. See, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It removes the sin. Our sins are forgiven, aphemy, literally meaning to be removed our sins are removed from us that's the glorious gospel of jesus christ it is no gospel if while i was yet a sinner christ died for me and i'm still a sinner well what changed nothing changed it's going to require a whole new way of thinking for you to get this You can't walk in the lust of the flesh, in the pride of life. You can't walk in the world and eat all of the filth of the world and not be a sinner. That's what sinners do. And it's required then that when Christ died for us, while we were still sinners, He had to come by his blood and not declare us righteous. That's old covenant. He had to come and literally make us righteous. Change us, transform us, make us into new creatures, break every bondage, break every addiction. He had to set us free. Now, some of you, you're not set free yet. You're still in bondage. And the joy of the Lord doesn't fill your heart. Oh, you can go to praise and worship and you can work up some joy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a deep inner knowing that I am right with God. That he loves me. That I love him. I woke up this morning early about the left are four and the first thought that raced through my mind i have another day with jesus it is so exciting to follow jesus and watch what he does outside of me I am addicted to watching Jesus move outside of me. He's moved in me. He's transformed me. He's made me into a new creature. And now I'm watching what he's doing in the church. I'm watching what he's doing in your life. That's why I'm always so eager to hear from you. I want to know what's Jesus doing in you. It's exciting to to live with Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to be filled with his spirit. It's freedom. It's faith. It's confidence. It's knowing where I stand. Now you're going to see this much more plainly before we're through. Verse 9, Since we have now been made righteous by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were God's enemies, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? He doesn't come and leave us like we were. He comes and transforms and changes and renews and rebuilds what was torn up, what was ugly, what was given to filth and darkness. He removes that from us. He makes us into new creatures. So that when we awaken in the morning, we say, Wow, it's exciting to serve Jesus. I love Jesus. The Holy Spirit is there he's in me, he's with me, he's speaking to me, he's giving me promises. I've had some wonderful promises made to me this week about what he's going to do. And last night we had a a meeting among the elders And that's when we made the final decision. We're going to go on Thursday evening and we're going to ask Jesus to bring those people who want to join with us and be serious about following Jesus, being filled with righteousness and holiness. Some of you are still walking in your sin and you need someone to pray over you. You need to have someone lay hands on you and pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, we're going to be serious with Jesus. We're not going to play a game. It's not entertainment. We're serious. If your heart today is filled with hurt, if it's filled with anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, you need to come. If you've been failing in your walk with Jesus and you don't know where to turn, you need to come on a Thursday night, or Wednesday night, rather. Wednesday night. That's where the action will be on March 12. And it will be every Wednesday night after that. Notice verse 11. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word reconciliation is an accounting term. If you do the work you need to do, you reconcile your bank account. What does it mean to reconcile your bank account? Well, it means to Go through all of the numbers, all the checks, all the credit card, everything you have on your bank, and see if you agree with the bank's balance. Sometimes it's your mistake. Usually it's your mistake or mine. Sometimes it's the bank's mistake. So reconciliation is the process we go through to make sure we both agree on what our balance is. So if you're reconciled with God, you're coming into a place where you agree with God about his statement about your life, and he agrees with you about your statement concerning your life. You are in agreement, and you are in agreement that you have been made righteous, that you are a new person in Christ Jesus. And you walk with a pure mind and a pure heart. And you know there is nothing between you and Jesus. You have been washed in his blood. Now watch. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. I'm not going to Die if I were. If I were not in Jesus, I would not die, for Adam's sin. I would die for my sin, but all men have sinned, and all women and all boys and girls have sinned against God. So He's saying, death came to all men because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Now, if you're reading from the King James version, it will say, "But sin is not imputed when there is no law." Now, this word "imputed," it is so confusing. That's not a correct translation. The NIV correctly translated when it said, "But sin is not taken into account." Or we could, as other versions put it, sin is not charged when there is no law. But watch this. Verse 14 Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was the pattern of the one to come. Now, what I want you to notice, some of you have argued with me about this term, imputed righteousness, saying that Jesus' righteousness is taken and given to me. Well, let's use that same argument here in this passage, where the King James Version translates it, sin is not imputed where there is no law, But does that mean no death will come? Of course not. Because the actual condition of our heart before salvation was of utter sin. Even if that sin was not by knowing the law. In other words, if there's no law like Ten Commandments, we don't have the Ten Commandments now. Am I still a sinner if I'm not in Christ? Yes. Yes yes so the question then comes when righteousness is said to be imputed is there no real righteousness there if you follow my logic there is righteousness there in Christ Jesus it's real righteousness righteousness just means innocence without sin but th- not taken into account or is not imputed when there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, but they did sin. And the result was death. We know what the scripture says over here in chapter six, verse 23, for the wages of sin, is death. Now, the wages of imputed sin is not death because there's no such thing. It's foolishness. God judges us by what we truly are. He doesn't play shell games and say, okay, I'm going to call you righteous even though I know you're a wicked sinner that's a foolish shell game come with me now deeper into this scripture verse 14 nevertheless death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam who was a pattern of the one to come but they did sin and they did die the penalty for sin is death it was real sin Likewise, when it says righteousness is imputed, it's real righteousness. It's not it's not Jesus' righteousness. It's the righteousness he's given to us by faith. It is literally a life-changing experience. We're new creatures in Christ. Now, let's go to 15, and this is where it gets interesting. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man or by the sin of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? He's literally saying, Look, one man died. Many died by the sin of the one man. Adam's sin resulted in all of us sinning, and death came. Now, he's saying God's grace, God's love, God's kindness, God's mercy has come to us through Jesus Christ. Verse 16. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many sins and brought righteousness. Now, I want to show you something. In verse 19 of this same chapter, For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. That's what the NIV says. But the word righteous here is the same identical word for justification in verse 16. Same word. So, I'm justified, then, in saying the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought righteousness. The gift of Jesus Christ brings to us righteousness. It transforms us. It makes us into new creatures. For if by the trespass or by the sin of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So the Lord wants to give to us his kindness, his grace. He wants to give us that Incredible gift of love. He wants to give to us his mercy. Now, it's an abundant provision. It's not limited. It's an abundant provision of love and grace. And he wants to give to us the gift of righteousness in life through this one man, Jesus Christ. So, let's get the big picture. Adam sinned. And with Adam's sin, the whole human race has fallen. And Satan ruled over the whole earth. He brought forth every vile and wicked thing. He brought every kind of sexual uncleanness, every kind of murder and mayhem. He brought every of darkness into the world and now we have jesus coming into the world this this son of the living god the one of a kind this jesus comes into the world and as he comes into the world he brings to us in the kindness of god He, he brings to us the gift of being made righteous So that we no longer walk in the degradation, we no longer walk in the sin, we no longer walk in the bitterness and the anger and the hostility, we no longer walk in the selfishness, we no longer walk in the crudeness, we walk instead in the glorious presence of our Lord Jesus. Friend sent me a passage of scripture, Romans 10, verses 3 and 6. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Isaiah 55, 6, and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God he will abundantly pardon. How did you catch Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So this cleansing by the blood of Jesus cleanses the outward actions of the life and it cleanses the inward thoughts of the heart. It makes us literally into new creatures in Christ. And some of you have had trouble. Your mind is constantly going to that lust. Your mind is constantly going to the bitterness or to the anger. Your mind is constantly going to what is darkness. The Lord is saying, look, call upon the Lord. Call upon the name of Jesus. Ask him for the total victory. Confess where your mind is gone. Ask Jesus for the power of the blood to come and totally change you and transform you, and he will do that for you. He will change you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Literally, he will not count your past against you. He will forgive you. He will restore you. Philippians 3, 9 and 10. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. Which is of the law. But that which is through faith. But that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. If you're still a sinning Christian. You don't know the power of God you are shut out. Romans 3.21 The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus, being justified freely by his righteousness. Do you see it? Have you caught it yet? Are you willing to be made into a new person? Are you willing to turn away from your sin? Are you willing to pay whatever price you have to to be taught this way of righteousness? Is your heart hungry for more of Jesus? Do you desire him with all of your heart? Then whatever the cost, get to Jesus. Consequently, this is verse 18, Romans five eighteen. 18. Just as the result of one sin was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness, that is, Jesus dying on the cross, was justification that brings life for all men. Acquittal made righteous. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the sins might increase. In other words, so that we would see the reality of our condition. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you are not made righteous, you are not saved. You are not on the road to heaven. You cannot continue walking in sin and expect the joy of your salvation to flood your heart and draw you into the very presence of Jesus. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? It's superabounding grace to us, kindness, love. Does that mean we're free to go on sinning? Paul says, absolutely not, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And the answer is obvious. We can't go on living in our sin any longer. concerned about many of you today I've been praying for you I've been crying out to God for you you've said I want to be a Christian I want to be a Christ follower where did Jesus go he went to Golgotha he went to crucifixion If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to go to that crucifixion where you die to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you're going to have to single-mindedly give yourself into the power of Jesus Christ and ask him to please forgive you for your sins, confessing each one, weeping over them, seeing how you have so offended a righteous and holy God by your rebellion against him. You have to ground your sword. You have to give up the weapons of your rebellion and do what Jesus, by the Spirit, asks you to do. You're no longer in charge of your life. You go where he sends you, you do what he tells you. I know I've invited you to come on a Wednesday evening and some of you are saying, but pastor, that's too far to drive. Well, that's flesh. That's not Jesus. Give up your excuses. Come and and walk among a people who have made the decision to utterly give themselves over to the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Some of you are very religious. I could name some of you, but I won't. I know you. You're very religious. You know how to speak all the language. And yet you walk in fear. You walk in unbelief. You walk in the lust of your flesh. You know you're a sinner. You're not clean before God. As I said to one person, you know all about Christianity. When are you going to come to Jesus and be transformed and washed? When are you going to come and be a true disciple of Jesus and let him be first and foremost in every decision? Well, Pastor, I've got to get my businesses started. I've got to I've got to make money. I've got to do this. I've I've got to take care of that. None of those things will save you. None of those things will bring you into a relationship with Jesus where the joy of the Lord is your salvation. I rejoice today in the joy of the Lord because I know my heart is clean before God. I know I've repented of every area of sin in my heart. Does that mean I'm never going to sin again? No, I wish it did. But 1 John tells us that if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, and he will wash us and cleanse us from all impurity. But it's a decision we make. Am I going to walk in Jesus with him as my first and foremost priority? Am I going to give him charge over all the money in my life, the finances? Am I going to give him charge of the job that I have? Am I going to utterly put into the hands of Jesus my future and my life and my wife and my husband and my children? Are you going to give everything into the hand of Jesus Christ? If not, you're not a Christian yet. By definition, a Christian is a person who makes that commitment and lays it all down at the cross. And the burden of sin is cut away from us. Remember Bunyan? He talks about Pilgrim's progress as as Christian goes through the narrow gate, he goes to the cross, and as he kneels before Jesus, the burden of sin is removed from his heart. Some of you today are carrying a heavy burden of sin in your heart. You know you're not right with Jesus. You know you're still walking in the lust of your heart. You know you are not right with Jesus. Will you get right now? Will you cry out to God and say, Oh, God, I'm sorry? This is what I've done. This is who I am. I need to be transformed. I need what pastor's talking about. I need the joy of my salvation flooding my soul. All of these anxieties, all these worries, I cast them away. In the name of Jesus, I give them to you, Lord. You said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is light, my burden is easy. Will you turn now to Jesus, O oh Lord? I cry out for each person who has listened to this broadcast. I ask Jesus that you would move in their heart now with great power that their that their sins could be washed away, that they could be made clean before you, that the addictions and the bondages could all be cast away and broken by the power of your blood, that you will make new creatures of each who has listened. And those, Lord, who belong to you, would you encourage them on the journey and would you cause your joy to spring up in their hearts and your love to cause them to laugh and dance before you with joy because you are our Savior. Even in the midst of our suffering, you are our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing many of you. On the 12th of March, that's next Wednesday night at 730 We are going to gather in my living room. We will make it into a church. We'll move some furniture. We'll put up chairs. And we're going to gather there, and we're going to seek the face of Jesus. And I invite you to come. If you need directions, 703-489-1785. Or just Google Just Google National Prayer Chapel and our address, my house, will show with a map and the phone number. Now, I'd love to hear from you. I'm looking forward to your participating with me in the cost of this broadcast. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. And just a quick note a couple of people who made pledges for last month have not yet, I've not yet received those pledges. I need to pay, Wava, but I'm waiting for you. Our phone number, 703-489-1785. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: With great joy Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling